Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We appreciate you tuning in and uh, it's great to see the stats, people from different countries tune in as well, which is really, really wonderful. And it's my privilege just to unpack um, part six of our series today, uh, which is called Days of Elijah. And don't worry, if you're just new here today and uh, you're thinking, oh, part six, I've missed all the... Don't worry, this mess will stand alone in its own right. And we'll do a little recap as well. Um, and it's really, really good. But I'm going to pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, um, let's stand to our feet. Come on. If you're comfortable with this, raise your hand to heaven. Let's posture ourselves, position ourselves to hear from God this morning. In the, in the quiet of your heart, say, God, speak to me. God, I pray, Lord God, as I just unpack the, the word this morning, Father, that you put in my heart for us, your people. That, Lord, you just speak. You just help me to be, enable me to be able to speak with clarity. And uh, that, God, you would accomplish in the spirit everything that you want to do. That, Father God, we would be a house on fire, Amen. a house of faith, Amen. Father God. And you would accomplish great things through this church on our watch. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just take your seats, give your neighbour a high five so you get ready. Wonderful. Wonderful. Brilliant. So like I've been saying and, and we've been saying every time we've spoken about this message, uh, we're talking about the, the prophet Elijah, a prophet in the Old Testament, someone that spoke on behalf of, of God. And we have uh, modern day prophets too. And uh, they'd often give a message. Often it was a, a message of, you've done bad things. <laughs> And you wouldn't like to be in, the, in the, the place of a prophet because, you know, they often they had endured hardship. And we have Elijah. Elijah, for me, is one of the hero figures of the Bible. I, th- I look at Elijah and I think, wow, didn't he? He just called down fire from heaven. Uh, you know, and, uh, but one thing about Elijah, like I said a lot last week, if we can, is in James chapter 5, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And what we've been saying is, Elijah, as, as great as he was and is, and the things that he accomplished when he was on planet Earth, was just like you and I. Was no better, no greater. He had a nature like you and I. And as we unpacked last week, it was just see moments after doing this amazing feat on Mount Carmel where all these, um, basically he was trying to come against the, the false worship of idol worship of Baal um, on the land. And he did this amazing miracle, God did this amazing miracle through him. And fire came down on an altar and uh, burnt up his burnt offering. And at that point then he, he executed about 8,500 people who were, and that's, it's harsh, isn't it? But that's what happened. And um, because of, of a false um, idol worship. So he's the man of power for the hour. He's done some amazing things. And then in a moment, because the queen, Jezebel, said, you know, I'm going to make your life like one of these prophets by this time tomorrow. And she spoke intimidation into him. And what did he do? Did he stand and combat it? No. He legged it in fear and in trepidation. He's a man with a nature like us. Let that sink into your heart. Even the hero, don't put anyone on a pedestal. 
to put anyone on a pedestal because people are just people. And he did a runner. And God spoke to him, God found him, God blessed him, God provided for him, even on the run. Even in our darkest times, God knows where to find you. God's got your, yes. your, your postcode. Thank God. Thank God. And so we come off the back of, we're going into in, in 2 Kings chapter 2 today. And this is, we're just skipping a couple of chapters. And this is Elijah's last day on planet Earth. Imagine if today was your last day on planet Earth and you knew it. How would you spend it? Who would you spend it with? What would you do? Where would you go? You didn't know what, at what time you were going to go to heaven today, but you knew that today was your last day on planet Earth. Well, this was how Elijah started this particular day. Before we unpack this, I just want to um, chat about something. Who, give me a wave if maybe as a, a child growing up, you may used to watch Saturday morning TV. All these hands. Ah, oh, who remembers that program, Going Live? With Philip Schofield. There's a picture there of Philip Schofield. He looks really young, doesn't he? And this was my go-to program on Saturday mornings. I loved it because A, it was Saturday, no school. And B, there wasn't, there wasn't many channels at, the, at that time. There was probably about four or five channels at that time. So literally, anyone who was anyone was watching either one or two different channels if you were a child. Either BBC One, which this was on, or, B, or Channel 3, ITV. And, uh, and it's great. And on that, there was this um, the game part of it called Double Dare. Who remembers Double Dare? If you don't remember, this is what happened in Double Dare. There was two teams of children, and it's basically question quiz rounds. And uh, one team would be asked a question. If they knew the answer, they get a point. If they didn't know the answer, they could then say, I dare, the other team. So then the microphone goes to the other team. Do they know the answer? If they knew the answer, they'd say it and get the point, or, or double points. Or if they didn't know the answer, they, they could say, double dare. Or they could say, physical challenge. And if they had a physical challenge, and basically what that was, then they had to do this, this mad game of mess and guns and, and gunk and the rest of it uh, to, to get the points. But I, I, loved, I loved those days. I loved those days of Saturday morning TV and uh, oh, I, did, I, I, I probably in secondary school at the time or primary school, one or the, one or the other, I can't remember. But I loved those days of, as a child, just looking forward to the weekends. Do you remember your days as a child? It's funny, isn't it? It just seems like yesterday. It just seems like yesterday. And, life, and my parents always say to me, oh, life goes on fast forward when you get older. It's true, but as soon as you get a responsibility, you start getting a job or children or get married, life goes on fast forward. And you look back 10 years, 20 years, and you think, gosh, that was just like yesterday. But can you remember the dreams in your heart of yesteryear, yesterday? When you were a child, can you think about maybe what your aspirations of who you wanted to be, your job, your future job? Maybe what your future, if you, whether you want to get married or not. Maybe you didn't want to get married. Maybe you did want to get married. Who would you marry? Maybe it was one of the, uh, the, the people on TV. Oh, I'll, get, I'll marry them one day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Philip Schofield. <laughs> but that, who, but that, you, we had dreams, you know, and our aspirations were high. It was never about, oh, I just want to, go and do a certain job. It was like, I want to be I know, a doctor, an astronaut, a fireman. Uh, uh, we didn't peter down or, or dampen down our dreams or aspirations. As children, we dreamed big and thought big. The skies were the limit. Can you think about what your, some of your aspirations were? 
back in the day. And then somehow in the course of life, we get realistic, don't we? We, we live through life and maybe get a few knocks and we, we grow up. And somehow in that growing up, the child in us, the voice of the child in us, gets lessened. And our aspirations, which once were sky high, become quite achievable. I will do this, I'll do that next. Because we're adults now. And we've got some experience behind us. And we know that actually, you know, that's a bit childlike to think big and to dream big. But God wants you to go back into that child person today that you were a few years ago. Think, what are the things that you dreamt about? And to start dreaming again as individuals. That God's plans can find you where you are. That God's plans haven't finished for your life. That God wants you to go out of the box of your thinking. And even those things you're dreaming for and praying for and they haven't yet happened, that they can still happen while you've got breath in your lungs. Because God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. God wants you to go aim big and aim high. And God wants us as a church to aim big and aim high. Amen. He doesn't want us to restrict him. And all this vision stuff that we're bringing at the moment, it's even quite small to the grand scheme of what God wants us to do as a church, I believe. But it's step by step by step by step. But God doesn't want us to shrink the vision of our lives, or the vision of our church down to what's achievable. He wants us to... Our, our capacity to increase. God wants you to grow as an individual. Amen? He wants your faith to grow. Because if you can get your faith growing, then all things are possible to him who believes. Turn to the neighbour and say, God wants your faith to grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And God wants our faith to grow. And may we not be a group of people God couldn't do many things because of our unbelief. Jesus, son of God, could not do many miracles at one point because of the unbelief of the town. Jesus, son of God, fed about 20,000 people on one day. Couldn't do many things in one town because of the lack of belief of the people because he was just the carpenter's son. May we never look at Jesus as that. He's the word of God. The word of God made flesh. And so we're going to look at this passage. And but say this, faith boldly sees the big picture. Let's say this out loud together. One, two, three. Faith boldly sees the big picture. I heard just recently, a few weeks ago, from um, Glyn Barrett, who's the national leader of AOG, the Fellowship of Churches to which we belong. And he said this, um, the devil may be in the detail, but God is in the big picture. Amen. And sometimes... and. So I, drew, I, I work, I'm quite a strange person. I work big picture, but I also drill down into detail. <laughs> but if I live my life drilling into detail, then literally I think that could never happen. <laughs> but then you get a different breath of fresh air. Because when you then look at the big picture, you see differently, you think differently, you pray differently. Yes. Because you see a possibility of what could be, yes. of what could be. And it gives you boldness. And faith boldly sees the big picture. In your life, 
in your marriage, in your, in your workplace, or in your aspirations of career, your education? What's your big picture? What do you see? In your ministry of serving the Lord, now or in the future, what do you see? What are you hoping for? What are you dreaming for? If you could have all the resources in the world and nothing was an obstacle to you, what would you do? Where would you go? Who would you be with? But let's not make it selfish. Let's look outside of the box. And let's also look at a world that needs to know about Jesus. Faith boldly sees the big picture. So we're going to read from 2 Kings, chapter 2, 1 to 15. And it's going to be on on the screen there. So this is Elijah's last day on planet Earth. Remember, Elijah knows he's going. And it's really interesting because God's given him here a successor. God's given Elijah a successor. Elijah wanted out in, in last week. He wanted out. He actually wanted to die. He wanted to commit suicide. He got into a really negative headspace because he thought the world was against him. And he thought incorrectly that he was the only believer left who hadn't bowed the knee to any false yeah. idol. But he was wrong. Because sometimes when we're in that negative headspace, we don't see clearly. But something's changed. Because even in the previous chapter... He is calling fire down from heaven. And now what we'll see him, we'll see him wandering around the land, rather than being on the run and hiding in a cave, we see him wandering around the land, going from place to place, almost like without a care in the world. When you get into a negative headspace, don't run, just go to God. Go to God. And here your confidence will return. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So just a few comments there. So what we've got here, we've got Elijah and Elisha traveling around. They're going from a place called Gilgal. And, they're going on, and the Lord's directing him to Bethel. Now Elijah is going where the Lord is sending him. Rather than doing a run and doing where he wants to go, where he wants to go, the Lord is sending him to a certain place, from a certain place. And here you've got Elisha. He's been serving, with, serving his master, Elijah, for about 13 years. And Elisha, is it a test? He's saying, will you stay here? But there's something in the heart of Elisha that says, no, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to be with you. I am not going to leave you. Elisha was counting the cost. Everyone say counting the cost. Elisha was counting the cost. He knew a cost of his, of who God was calling him to be, the next prophet, the head of the schools, the prophet, was about him remaining faithful and loyal to Elijah. I will not leave you. And what's interesting about this place is we see Elijah in the next few verses going from different places where there are schools of the prophets. Schools of the prophets of which Elijah was considered to be the head. And although Elijah thought he had, his life was at an end, God still had things for him to do. Church, no matter where you are, what stage of life you are at, what age you are at, God still has things for you to do. If the main minimum could be that you can encourage the younger generation, you encourage the younger generation. But God has got things for all of us to do. No one is excluded from this. 
The power of encouragement is so, so important. To put N in courage, put courage in someone could cause the younger generation to soar, to soar higher than you and I could possibly do because you dare to encourage someone. Let's be a church that encourages people. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't be British. Do not be British. Don't go out the doors at the end. Like, Bye, thank you. Stop and say, Ricky, you're looking good today. Looking good. Don't tell lies. I'm not, I'm not telling you lies. Yeah. And Ricky has been an encouragement to me. Yeah. It's been an encouragement to me to get to the gym. And I have been getting to the gym. Because Ricky is a machine. And who knows that me going to the gym is good for me. It's good for my health. So let's encourage people. Gilgal. Gilgal, wow, what a place. What a place. Really quickly, Gilgal was promised land. So the promised land came to the people of the nation of Israel, led by Joshua. And he did an amazing miracle. The, the, um, the River Jordan dried up. They crossed over. He put memorial stones on the banks in the, in the River Jordan as a sign to future generations saying, God did a miracle on our watch. And Gilgal was the first place they went to. But the men uh, hadn't been circumcised. So the nation of Israel would circumcise people. Glad that's not part of today. Um, and, uh, and so they, they, they circumcised. And basically what it was about is God was calling them back to a place. And Gilgal means rolling. And what God was saying to them is, your shame of when you were in Egypt has been forgotten. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but who's got shame in their life? I'm sure if we're honest, we all have shame. Parts of our lives that either in the past or even yesterday that we're ashamed of. But who knows, in God, there's forgiveness. God wants to change our lives. He wants to take our shame and ask, come to forgiveness. Say, God, would you forgive me? And we move forward and he forgives us and he dares to use you and I. The calling of God comes to every single one of you. You are ministers of God. Don't let shame get in the way. Keep short accounts. Say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And move forward with your life. Gilgal, place of rolling. And he goes on to Bethel, house of God. Gilgal is a place of new beginnings. Then Bethel is a place of decision. And here, Abraham made a decision to follow God. Here, Jacob made a decision. God, if you would do this for me and that for me, and lots of conditions attached, then you will be my God. And Bethel, he was a place where Jacob had dreamt of a ladder going up from earth to heaven and angels ascending, descending, and the Lord standing at the top saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. And he woke up. And the Bible says at the time that the place was just a certain place. And then in his mind, and he was scared, he said, how awesome is this place? It's none other than the house of God. And he makes a declaration for God. God, I'm going to choose to serve you if you would just help me in life. And sometimes when we ask praying to God, all we can do is see our need. Still go to God with your need. Because God takes what we, where we're at. But God had a bigger picture and a bigger plan for Jacob. As he does for your life. And Jacob ended up, went from being a twister, a deceiver, into a great man of God. But Elisha says, I will not leave you. I'm going to go to you, with you to Bethel. And then, now it says, the sons of the prophets, the school of the prophets, who were at Bethel, came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? They're prophesying. Guess what? Elijah's going to take up. 
But this wasn't news to Elijah. He said, yes, I know, keep silent. Or, or shut up. <laughs> he knows that. He's just following his master. He's just honoring him. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And we know about Jericho. Jericho was the place where the Israelites were in Gilgal after crossing over the River Jordan. And Jericho was the first place. But the Bible says in Joshua chapter 5 and 6 that the place was securely shut up. They'd heard about what God had done and the city went into defence mode and here you've got a group of people, okay, many, maybe a multitude, but they didn't have many weapons. They just had, you know, really basic weapons. No battering rams, stuff like that. How were they going to penetrate this fortress? And we see Joshua. Joshua's a military man. And sometimes we go back into what we're good at, don't we? Joshua is, has, is a man of prayer, but he's a military man. So we find him in, in chapter, chapter 5, just looking around the city, thinking... How are we going to get into this? Trying to come up with a plan. And then he sees an angel of the Lord. It isn't just an angel though. It's a Christophany, which is um, the pre-incarnate Christ. Christ before him, before, he came, uh, before the word was made flesh. And he asks him a question, which is a bit of a ridiculous question, but it's not, let's not give him a hard time. He's, he's asking him a question based on his thinking. He says, are you for us or for our enemies? Is it an angel... It's Christ with a, 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 a flaming sword. And he says, neither. I'm neither for you or against you. But I have come as the commander of the, the angels, the Lord's army. Wow. Joshua, it's not about whose side I'm on. So it's a question of whose side are you on? Wow. Are you on my side? Church, whose side are we on? There's only one side. Are we on the side of Jesus? Are we going to say, God, do with my life as you would have do with my life? I come to you today in a place of surrender. All my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations, I have them, but I lay them to one side and say, God, you do with me as you want to. I lay down my life. And Jericho was a place of warfare. But the strategy wasn't going to be as Joshua thought. The strategy was a bit of a bizarre strategy of walking around, marching around Jericho, the walls of Jericho, once six days, and then marching around multiple times and blowing horns. You wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't choose to do it that way. But God was saying, would you do it my way? Would you do it my way? Joshua, in all your military expertise, and I've put that into you, I've allowed that to happen to shape your life. But would you lay that down? And would you do it my way? So he sent to Jericho, and he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, it's a bit of a repeat going on there here, came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? He answered, Yes, I know. Keep quiet or shut up. Great. Keep going. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Now, the Jordan 
was the place, when, after wandering in the wilderness, before they crossed over, it was the back on the banks of the River Jordan. And God had to do a miracle to get the whole nation of Israel across the Jordan. And they carried the, um, the Ark of the Covenant across, and the waters dried up. So now we're back to the Jordan. The Jordan is a place of promise. It's a place where it needs to be crossed over to go into the promise that God had for the nation of Israel. And sometimes there's barriers to what God has for us as individuals, even a church, that need to be overcome and crossed over, not in our own ways, but in faith. And now we see Elijah and Elisha at the banks of the Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. While the two of them stood by the Jordan. Imagine right now that you are Elijah and Elisha. You're on the banks of the Jordan. And at this time, it's, it's probably flood, flood time. It's, 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 it's not going to be shallow. And Elijah took his mantle, his cloak, and he rolled it up. And he struck the water. And it was divided this way and that. So the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Elijah is still following Elijah. And they've just got this amazing miracle which has been witnessed by the prophets. And it was so, when they, had, when they crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, ask. Say ask. 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 Turn to the person next to you say, be bold. Be bold. Church, we've got to be, be bold. We've got to be bold in our asking. Yeah. James says you have not because you ask not. So let's get asking. Nothing's too big for our God. I love the fact that some of you are asking the same prayer request again and again and again and again and again. And you go again, you go again. Don't give up. No. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking God. Keep asking God. The answer's on the way. Yes. Be bold. Ask, what may I do for you? Sometimes we just give up. We ask once and think that's enough. But God wants to be persistent in our asking. Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? What would you say? It's a bit like when King Solomon in the Bible was asked the question, you can have whatever you want by God. What do you want? He could have said, I could have wealth. I'd love to have a harem. No. <laughs> what, what do you want? And Elisha says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. What is he saying there? He's saying, I believe, sort of two things. A double portion was always given to the firstborn son of a family. It was to identify that son that you are my firstborn son. And in a sense that what's happening is Elisha's saying, my master, my mentor, I honour you. And I'd just love to, the honour. You've already said, you've identified me as your successor. I'd love the, the privilege of being your successor, that I may call you my father, my spiritual father. And I also believe that he might be looking at Elijah thinking, man, I've just seen the miracle you've just done. I've seen you calling down fire from heaven, sitting on a, on a wall in a town. I've got big shoes to fill. Do you ever feel like, in a sense, sense like you look at people and what maybe God has done through other people and you think, how, God, how could God ever do anything like that through me? Even as a church, we could look around and, and we could do it. It's wrong to compare. Because when we compare it, we always feel bad. But we could look at other churches and think, it's okay for that church or that church. Look at the resources they've got. Look at the staff teams they've got. Look at the, 
blah, 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 God could never do anything with LCC. Why not? Why not? God's got all the resources that we'd ever, ever need for every single step of our journey. Of our journey. And he was asking for, I need, I need, I need a double portion. I need a double amount of God's spirit upon me to do what you're doing. And the reality is, Elijah said to him, you've asked a hard thing. Now, is he asking a hard thing because he couldn't promise that? Maybe. But I believe also he's asked a hard thing because for you to do that, for you to have a double portion of my spirit, the spirit of God that's upon me on your life, means you're going to carry a burden which is very big. And who knows that the weight of a burden is as equal as the the task ahead. When Isaac and Abraham went up the mountain and, I, and Abraham was asked of God to sacrifice his son, and we know the story, he didn't in the end. He said that Isaac carried the wood, but Abraham was carrying the burden. Yeah. Which do you think was the heaviest? Very good. You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me, say see me. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So he was saying, basically, it's not for me to give. It's, I'll leave it up to the Lord. Then it happened as they continued on and talked. So they're talking along and they're chatting and probably passing on information and, and encouraging and coaching to his young protege, Elijah to Elisha. That suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. So talking side by side, suddenly a chariot of fire Separates them both. And Elijah is then taken up by a whirlwind into heaven. Amen. Notice he's not taken up by a chariot of fire into heaven. Sometimes we see that in our Bible, um, Bible school sort of days. But like, it's a, he's taken up to a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha saw it. His eyes were wide open. He wasn't going to let Elijah out of his sight. His mentor, his father in the faith. And he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. He's identifying as his spiritual father. And he saw no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. Church, when God is calling us to do things, it requires action on our part. And sometimes, the, well, always, the old has to go. Wow. The old has to go. And when you tore the clothes in those days, it was a sign of, I'm, I'm mourning, yeah. respect, I'm honouring, but my, the clothes that I wore at the time, I cannot wear into the new destiny that God has for me. Wow. Church, for every one of us, if you're serious about entering into what God has for us as a church, you can't enter it as you are now. You come as you are, but you say, God, would you help me? Would you change me? Would you transform my life? Transform my thinking. I don't want to be the same. I don't want it just it to be the same old, same old. I just need to be transformed into your likeness. It's a journey of discipleship. It's a journey of saying, God, would you take me? And he ripped and tore his clothes into two. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Amen. He took the cloak of Elijah. Elijah said he took the cloak before. He'd rolled it up. And Elijah just struck the water and this amazing miracle happened. But now, right now, you're Elisha. You've seen this amazing miracle of God of Elijah being taken up to heaven in a whirlwind and now the, the mantle's come to you is it going to really work? 
You've been in that situation? Is it really going to work out? Church, we need to be in more of those situations where personally and as a church, we're thinking, is this really going to work out? Is it really going to work out? Is the vision what God has for us? If we go to double services, is it really going to work out? Or are we going to be just a few of us in each of the services and it doesn't really grow? Or could it be just, could it be that in a short amount of time, going to double spaces, services and making space for growth, God fills it really quickly that we need to have our next step in terms of property. And Elijah um, took the cloak, he struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And what he's basically saying is, God, I don't know if you're here. I don't know if, if what I asked of Elijah is really going to be true. I want a double portion of his spirit, the spirit of God upon my life. But I'm going to take a step. It starts with a step, church. It starts with a step. We step, take a step. Amen. And his step was he struck the water. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. He struck the water. He struck the water. Seeing some of us want to want the miracle to happen before we take a step of faith, because that's comfortable. We want the miracle to happen. We don't want the problems and the challenges. We want it nice and easy in compartments and boxes. And So would I, to be honest. But God, it's never like that. It's never, it's messy because he's all about our faith. And he struck the water. He says, where is God? And when he struck the water, just the once, It was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over on dry ground. Elisha crossed over on dry ground. When the sons of the prophets are looking on, who were from Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Church time has gone, but just really quickly, three things to bring this into land. Faith boldly sees the big picture. If you dare to double, turn to your neighbour and say, dare to double. We're not just talking about double services here, although we are talking about the church vision of double services, but God requires us as individuals to grow in our capacity for God. To grow, to commit to growth. The same that took us where we are today is not going to take us into the future. We need to dare to double as individuals, as well as corporately. If you death double, you must, number one, be bold. Be bold. We need to ask big for the church. Church, next week, you've got these, got these vision brochures. And uh, just be reading them and praying over them. And next week, I've just as a little gift, I've got you all a fridge magnet. Because who knows that the family life often involves around the, the kitchen. Men, kitchen, fridge. Fridge. <laughs> so put it on your fridge and it's just it basically says uh, I can't remember what it says now it's double, double services death double but just just pray over every time you go to the fridge pray God I pray for the church I pray for the vision I pray God for the community I, it's all about the community it's all about having a big picture of not us but the unchurched having an opportunity to come and receive Jesus as their personal saviour to have their lives transformed as yours and mine have. And we'd be bold. Be, be, be bold not asking. Ask in faith ahead of next week. Do you know the vision offering is not about £23,000. It's not about that. When we started this two years ago, it was all about faith. 
Because it's, what we're asking you to do is go on a journey of faith. God, what do you want me to pledge? Listen, seek the Lord, and then whatever he says, as Mary said, do it. It's about faith, stepping out. Now, some of you might want to give on the day, and some of you will pledge over the course of 12 months. But just do whatever the Lord asks, and be bold in that. Be bold. Just hear God. Hear God. Hear God. Let your faith arise. But be big askers for your own life, too. Be big askers. God, use me. Use me today in my workplace. Use me today. Lord, my family or friends, someone's sick and ill, would you, would you heal them? Be big askers. Be persistent. Number two, we need to count the cost. There's a cost of discipleship. Elijah, if he was going to have a double portion, had to stick with, Elijah had to stick with Elijah. Close. He was loyal. He was faithful. He was faith-filled. There's a cost of discipleship. Church, we want to um, revamp over the coming 12 months our life groups and our structures and, and how we're doing it. And, and we just want to believe that we'll just multiply them and leaders for them. But there's a cost. I dare to dream that everyone here could be a part of a life group if you were able to come at a certain time. And we put them on at different times. Everyone, because there's a hunger in you to want to grow. There's a hunger in you to want to be involved in community and that cares for you and each other. There's a cost of discipleship. And when we have prayer gatherings, there's a cost to say, oh God, I'm going to come and prayer. Across the world, the world, the church worldwide, prayer meetings are the worst attended. It's just a fact. But prayer meetings can be the most exciting place yes. because full of the presence of God. Let's be great prayers, great askers. There's a cost of pilgrimage. Journeying is a cost. Each of those places he went to, that represented different things in the life of the nation of Israel and in the past. There's different challenges and obstacles. But if we see the pilgrimage, if we see the journey, if we see the big picture and realise that God is in the big picture, yeah. then we can be filled with confidence and boldness yeah. that God could use, you and I, to see this town, one for Jesus, yeah. on our watch. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. We're kingdom-minded people. It's not just about our church, and we're not selfish in that. It's about kingdom. Yes. But God would want to use Life Community Church for such time as this. And Life Community Church isn't this. It's you. Right. It's you. It's you. And along the way, there'll be challenges. Along the way, there'll be obstacles. You might have things in, personally that try and trip you up. Even speaking to people reading this week, there's been challenges at work and various things. But do not let intimidation cause you to back down and back off. But allow faith in your heart to arise. Saying, no, I won't be like Elijah. I won't be like who runs away. I'm going to be stand strong. Before I can do is stand, I'm going to stand strong and dare to believe that I will see a difference in my situation. Don't back down. There's a cost to pilgrimage. You've got to see the big picture. You've got to see the journey. You've got to see the destination. But actually, it's not just about a destination. It is about the journey because of what God can do in through our lives through the journey. And finally, number three. Start with a step. Start with a step. It starts with a step. When we go to 
double services. You know, we're going to work this through with teams. We're going to tease out the details. Uh, there, there's a, a, a rough plan in Jelly, but it's in Jelly, and we're just looking with teams about how we're going to make it happen, and, and there will be challenges. But it starts with a step. But for you to personally get a double in your life, it starts with a step. What's your step going to be? A step of faith. Don't make a step just, what's your step of faith going to be? God, I, I want to grow my discipleship this year. God, I want to grow my faith this year. I want to grow my serving this year. I want to grow my giving this year. I want to grow my witness outside these four walls this year. I want to dare to believe that I could bring a friend to church one Sunday. I want to dare to believe that I can share what you have done in my life with someone at work. I want to dare to believe that I can see in my locality people come into faith in you. It starts with a step. And so often we say, well, it's okay for them. It's okay for Leanne. She's a bit outgoing. She talks to all the mums at school. It's okay for Leanne. I got my hair cut a couple of weeks ago. And I was, my normal hairdresser was talking about various things. We were talking about a whole list of woes of things that are going on in her life. I was sitting there thinking, well, she knows I'm a Christian. And she knows that I'm a church leader. I don't think she necessarily knows what that means. But she's talking about all this stuff. And then she went to wash my hair. And I thought, God, what? help me. And I just felt God to bring her hope. So I said, George, you know I'm a Christian. Um, and I said, look, God, God can talk about various things. I won't mention them all, but various things. I said, look, God can help you. God can help you. God can help your partner. Heal them. God can cause them not to be made redundant and various things. I said, George, I'm going to commit to pray for you. And after the hairdresser, I went to the car and I just prayed for her. I said, George, let me know how it gets on. Because you can know that day whether her partner was going to be made redundant or not. and looked very likely. And uh, I... I then I didn't, she didn't get a response and next week I then texted her, said, George, how was your partner's job? She said, well, basically, um, your prayer worked, she said in the text. So basically, five of them from the team were marched off the premises that very hour, but he kept his job. So I then said, yeah, give God a praise offering. I then said, God, George, I'm going to pray that when you have your, when's your, when's your partner's appointment for health checkup, I'm going to pray it goes well. And that was last Thursday. I'm giving a bit of time before I, I ask. But I'm going I'm to have a haircut. Maybe in a couple of weeks' time. Because I want to see what's happening. I want to be a hope bringer, a hope carrier into a situation. And it, you might think that's easy for me. It's easy for Leanne. I listen to a lot of stuff. I'm a good listener. I'm good. And you think, well, yeah, as a pastor, you might have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I've heard a talk loads before about her woes and stuff like that but something rose in me thought no not today I'm going to dare to believe it can change the people in your world church you can dare to believe that their situations can change and God can hear your prayers and your bold asking if you dare to step out come on let's stand to our feet in the presence of God we hope that you enjoyed this message for many more resources and for more information visit our website at www.life-cc.org.